0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Executive Health and Life. I'm your host Julian Hayes II. Back at it again with another fascinating guest. As I always say, because I only invite people who fascinate me and who are doing very interesting work. Now, with that said, when we think about the pillars of health, and we think about exercise, we think about sleep, we think about nutrition, obviously, and we more often than now we're thinking about even uh, controlling stress, as that's a key pillar of longevity. As well. But there's one key attribute or area that has not really been explored a lot. And it's an area that I'm finding out more as I get more into the endurance world. And this is nature. And this is something that. It's it's all around us, but we don't really think about the health benefits of nature. But you hear people always say, Hey, you should get outside more, enjoy the sun more. But it hasn't really been quantified or and people haven't even really started to even look into trying to quantify it until recently. And my guest today is an expert when it comes to that in their company. They're doing some fascinating things. I'm here with Jared Hanley. He's a professional athlete, a CEO and founder of Nature Quant. And this company. They quantify nature as I mentioned, and their tech—in a easier way to say—they're going to assess and promote nature and the exposure that you have on it on a daily and in on a cumulative weekly basis. So, without further ado, Jared, how's it going, man?
1: Oh, uh, good, good. Thanks for having me, Julian.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, I, I'm I'm happy that you know you were put on my radar by a mutual uh, friend, and I love the work that you were doing. I took a, I took a glance at your website for like. I went through it for like five minutes. I was like, wow, this is fascinating. Because nature is healthy to be out in nature, but how like what are the benefits of that? Like what are some of the research in that? And that's something that we just never knew. And so I I love the work that you guys are doing. But before we even dive into that, let's let's get your origin story a little bit. So um how did you even end up in quantifying nature?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always loved nature and time in nature. Um, I think, like a lot of professionals, it was my escape. You know, I was working in in the corporate world, spending all day, every day in front of screens. You know, on conferences inside, right? Just constantly inside in the built environment in boxes. You know, and getting outside always provided like a tremendous reset for me mentally and physically. Like it allowed me to then come back and focus again be creative again, just kind of restore um, restore my mojo, <laughs> to put it simply. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was curious, because I often go to the gym, and I wouldn't get that same reset. So it wasn't just exercise. Um, and so as a curious person, I dove into kind of the scientific literature around time outside, and specific- specifically time outside in nature. And it turns out over the last 30 to 40 years, there's just been this mountain of evidence, there are really profound impacts that time outsize has on our mental and physical well-being and that was kind of um surprising for me to find because you know in the public realm no one really was talking about it no one really was suggesting it as a a behavioral intervention or a health tool or even a performance tool and i thought that was a big gap that um i could potentially fill with my skill set i mean I, i understood technology pretty well i had worked with a lot of technology companies over the years and i also understood data science and so i felt like the one thing that was missing to really kind of bring home the importance of time outside is the ability to quantify it because we live in a quantified world and the things that we measure, we manage and nature wasn't being measured. It didn't have a a number, so to speak. So I wanted to create that. And that's what we do at Nature quant. We we measure nature and really nature exposure. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm very curious because, you know, um, and we'll dive in even more than that. There's like, there's a nature score. And so how do you even, how does that even go about determining like the scores? I know we mentioned before we yeah. started recording that where I'm at my location right now, I am I think I said like 82, 83. So yeah. how, do you, how do you even determine these types of, of numbers yeah. and, and stuff?
1: Yeah, so we have two different products. The one you're talking about right now, Nature Score, is kind of like a Google Maps for nature, if you will. So what we've done is we've aggregated many, many different, what are called like remote sensing technologies and databases to tell us where all the nature is so we know where every tree is every like park polygon we know where the bodies of water are and we also know all the human modifications so building footprints densities of highways things like noise air light pollution and so we just have this giant data set of natural elements and built elements by location so your house right you just mentioned we we can look at the location of your house draw a circle around it you know based on a certain radius size and examine what nature is in there. And we use that to come up with what we call a nature score. But what makes nature score unique is that it's actually correlated to the positive health outcomes that we've seen nature provide by living in proximity to those elements. So there's been a bunch of studies that just basically examine the quality of environment as it pertains to nature and what kind of longevity do we see, heart disease, cancer, et cetera. And it turns out very consistently, we find that the more nature around where you live, the healthier you are. It's it's that simple. And so we use that same kind of concept, um, but brought a machine learning technology to it. Where, as I mentioned, we know where all the natural elements are, and then if we get health outcomes by location, so geotagged health outcomes, and we run a machine learning process between those two, it gives us an algorithm that tells us, okay, how is this nature supporting health for that location? And that's really what Nature Score gives you. It's it's a number for the health supporting nature for your location. Uh, and it's zero to one hundred. Zero is basically like very little nature or no nature. So that's like downtown Manhattan basically, mm-hmm. and a hundred is in the middle of a forest, <laughs> pretty much. Hmm.
0: Okay. So does that take into account like potential pollution as well, or not really?
1: It does to an extent, Um, you know, it's really focused on natural elements, but we have to bring in when we do this research, what are called covariates. So other elements that we know may be impacting health that we want to account for or control for. So things like air pollution, noise pollution, light pollution, we do bring in as covariates to just understand, like, maybe it's just the built elements that are harmful, not really the natural elements that are bringing you benefits so okay. we do know if you're next to a freeway or it's a very loud area that you live in and the, the truth is those two things kind of go hand in hand right if there's a tree next to you that probably means there's not a gas station emitting fumes mm-hmm. so you can't really account for one without either directly or indirectly accounting for the other
0: yeah okay so that makes a sense now so i can see why my score is is where it is because this this was at one point just a giant field of land and a bunch of trees and there's mm-hmm. still a lot of trees around once you get outside the main perimeter of the neighborhood yeah. so oh yeah so, that so makes sense.
1: the typical nature score like the one you probably got for your mm-hmm. house it, you can just get it on our website if anyone could put in their address um and obviously our mobile app has it. it looks at a one kilometer radius so you're actually looking at your neighborhood when you get that score so it's a pretty broad you know kind of examination um so that's why sometimes there are people it's either higher or lower because they're thinking about the trees right in front of their house. But we've actually seen that having a park even within 500 meters or trees, you know, a fair distance from your house can still still benefit. OK, and we're trying to figure out why. I mean, you know, maybe the trees are filtering the air and you write know, better air quality. Maybe they provide a cooling effect. Um, we do know they do that, but we, we're not sure if that's really why we see these better health benefits. Mm-hmm. um or maybe the the more nature is just an indication that there's less harmful built elements right so there's there's a lot going on in these models that we're trying to parse apart to really understand how can we build healthier cities mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i i saw that um there's also a um just to continue on the app here in the score that there's weekly there's weekly goals that you can set for yourself and so um was that by coming to a conclusion with research as well that having a certain amount yeah. of time out in throughout nature
1: for a week? Yeah, so now you're talking about Nature Dose, which is okay. our mobile application, mm-hmm. um, which anyone can get, it's, it's in the app stores. And what that really is, is a measurement of your individual time, indoors, outdoors, and then when you're outdoors, what kind of environment you are in, like how built versus natural is it? And so that's a, a minute by minute measurement, usually for the week, kind of like a 10,000 step count goal. Mm-hmm. So you say, you know, I wanna be outside two hours a week, um, in nature, and then it passively tracks your progress against that, and so that um, you really set your own goal. The, the scientific consensus right now seems to be that a minimum amount of time in nature that people should strive for each week is about two hours, so 120 minutes. We, we do see more benefits if you can get outside more, but that's kind of the, the minimum goal that we kind of suggest as a starting point. And then, you know, the app obviously just tracks your progress. You can see how you're doing, you know, relative Mm -hmm. to your goal. And then we are in clinical trials with that uh, to really understand, are people sleeping better? Are they happier? Are they less sick? Um, You know, are they performing better cognitively, either at work or in school, when they get outside? And so far, pretty consistently, that is the case. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Especially, let's see, because I I used to be... more like a city boy, like outside is not my thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and the only reason I really started appreciating outside is running because there's no way I'm just going to run on a treadmill for hours on hours. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I did notice, like you mentioned earlier, that when you go to a gym, you lift weights, there's a different type of feeling that you get compared to where you go outside and mm-hmm. cognitively, like just the clarity that I had from being outside Especially when I'm um, probably about 20 minutes away, 15, 20 minutes away is where I do more of my long runs at. And so it's just a park, a bunch of trees, nice river and everything. And I'm really clear then because I started to document a little bit as well, just kind of like how I'm feeling right after and everything. And so um, I think you all also on the app, you guys do a very good job of, of of sharing some of the research. On there each time you open it i think that's good because there's a there's a whole gamut of research when it when it comes to nature and um on your website there's a whole pathway here that i'm looking at right now and you talk about different actually let's start with um when people think of nature they probably just think of trees and you know when you're quantifying nature what are the yeah. different different sources yeah. of nature
1: Yeah, I'll talk about that and then we'll talk about those pathways because I think that's really where kind of the rubber hits the road. It's like, what is actually happening to us when we're outside that doesn't happen when we're inside? And we don't know everything that's happening, but we do have a lot of indications of what biomarkers are changing, how we're changing chemically. But to take a step back, um, it's very hard to define what nature is. I think at its purest level, it's the lack of human modification. But we have found that different types of nature are more beneficial than others. So standing like in the middle of a field of rocks or sand has less impact than being around a diverse environment where there's a lot of different plants and animals. Um, and then you know being near water is different than being on a mountaintop. Obviously, being in the sun is different than being in the cold, right? And there, so it's it's very dynamic in many ways. But what I can tell you is diversity is helpful and things that stress your body in a way seem to be helpful. Just like exercise is a stress, you stress your body and then you come back stronger. Being in a diverse environment is actually stressful for your immune system. We're breathing in what are called phytoncides and mushroom spores, and weird foreign particles that our immune system has to respond to, and then we become stronger. Being out in the sun is actually a stress. We're getting that ultraviolet radiation, but then we come back and we do seem to respond to it in certain positive ways. Um, so there's, it's just such a complicated web, it's hard to say what is nature and what are the best parts of nature because simply being outside is different than being inside. Mm-hmm. Temperature variations, sunlight, right, the different noises. Um, but, um, you know, that's why we're approaching this with a big data analysis. We're understanding all different types of environments and all different health outcomes and using machine learning to really parse apart this complicated web.
0: Yeah. And... Um- so let's let's dive into some of the some of the uh, you know I, I was shocked on some of these in terms of like there's actually research and, and health icon um, outcomes around this mm-hmm. and so I, what was one of the more shocking things to you as you're doing the research
1: Oh well so yeah let's talk about these pathways I think one good way to do it is just kind of like go through a, a, an experiment mm-hmm. thought thought experiment. So let's say you and I, um, we go for a walk in an urban area, right? We go walk through a city. And then the next day you and I go and we walk through a park and we track all these biomarkers um, immediately after the activity. And here's what we're gonna find that's different pretty consistently is the time that we go walk in the park after we do that, our cortisol level, which is a stress hormone is gonna be way lower. So we're less stressed. Our amygdala, which is part of our brain that basically is associated with like stress and anxiety way calmer so we're calmer and more relaxed after being in nature than walking in a city Um, our immune system as i as i mentioned gets kind of triggered by being in a natural diverse environment and because of that we can look at what are called natural killer cells which are part of our immune system they kind of attack viruses and cancer they spike after being in a natural area and they stay spiked so actually our immune system is stronger after walking in the park, which doesn't happen when walking in the city. Um, we will likely will sleep better when being in a park rather than walking in the city. And we don't know why, but that's consistently found. Um, if we tested our cognitive performance after the walk in the park versus the city, our memory would improve, our attention span would improve, our mood would improve. So, all of these things we have tested repeatedly in little interventional studies, and we consistently find these same results. So, we know almost instantaneously after being in a natural environment you're better off in many many facets and so we're trying to figure out exactly why like why why do you sleep better right why why do you have more focus after being in a natural environment than a city we know that it happens we're now trying to figure out exactly what are those mechanisms so we can optimize them and and potentially even reproduce them
0: wow yeah i would be curious also to see like like the effect that this has on the rate of aging because you know there's tests now that we can do in terms of uh measuring our chronological age our (laughs) biological age and so i feel like this this is now just going to be one of those added markers as well you know to to see like if i spend two you know three hours out in nature you know plus these other interventions i'm doing yeah you know what's the rate of my aging and everything
1: well yeah that'll take a long time to really nail down we we can see observationally, that people who live around nature Mm -hmm. live longer. So that we know Um, we're also looking at things like uh, we're wearing these wearables like an or ring or Apple Watch, and we're comparing HRV or resting heart rate to time outside. And again, we consistently find that it's just good for us to be outdoors, (laughs) particularly in natural environments. And so you would think over time, obviously, all those things would add up to a, a, a longer lifespan.
0: So that's interesting. You mentioned the heart rate and HRV. So um, the app, does it connect, um, does it connect to some of the different apps
1: um, and right we, we are working on some of that. So you can actually on the back end like share your nature dose data with your aura ring data or share your, we, we have an integration with Strava right now. And we want to do the same with like the, the Apple health suite or Google fit, for example. But right now the way we're doing that is in clinical trials. So we have, Cohorts of college students or nurses, and they're all using the app and wearing these smart wearables, and we're collecting the data and then publishing the correlations or associations between time outside and you know stress, if you will. You yeah. can pick it. Yeah.
0: yeah, I would be interested. I'll be interested to see that in terms of yeah. just the, the heart rate and HRV and yeah. kind of kind of what what nature does with that. And what do you think some of the um, some of the big You know, nature, this is essentially free just to go outside. What do you think some of the big hangups is around that?
1: Um, Well, I I think there's a real societal shift going on. Um, If you think about our evolutionary history, like humans were just outside all the time, like probably 99% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. We now are all living in urban areas um, and indoors in front of screens. Um, You know, the latest data I saw is like, up to 14 hours a day in literally in front of a screen and 95 percent of our lives inside. So from an evolutionary perspective, this is just a huge shift in our environment just a dramatic shift because this has all happened really in the last call it 50 years, right this urban lifestyle but it's become the norm. people are just generally accepting that time in a city inside is typical and normal but it really is not from a biological perspective and so, we just have to understand how this shift, this this kind of idea that it's it's normal to be inside all the time um, is impacting our health broadly. Hmm. So the hangups are, I mean, when you're in a city, you know, it takes a little effort, maybe to walk to a park. Um, not all parks are lovely. You know, some are uncomfortable places to be. And that's, that's I think, true. a real challenge for, for city planning and kind of just um, public health in general. Um, some people are afraid of being outside. Um, they think they're going to, I don't know. Get attacked by an animal or something, um, and that's just, true. I mean, you got to manage. You got to be educated before yeah. you do it. But I think the benefits outweigh all of those inconveniences mm-hmm. when you think about it at, on the whole.
0: Yeah, I, I know this topic very like just a very small portion of it is like smart cities and and like really designing cities with nature in it. So how mm-hmm. do you how, how would you envision that if, if they like they gave you the keys to design the city?
1: Yeah, well, um, so that's something we spend a lot of time on. So we deliver our Nature Score data um, in city heat maps, if you will, to a bunch of municipalities. Um, we've shared data with the White House and nonprofits to help them like identify first nature deficient communities. So communities that just don't have access to nature or don't have enough trees, and then direct our efforts to correct those cities so that everyone has access to nature in their immediate proximity. So you literally can go outside and hopefully see a few trees and walk. There's this 10 minute walk challenge, walk within 10 minutes of your house and get to some kind of green area, some kind of park. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at these cities from an aerial view, you can really identify those nature deficient pockets and address all of our energy into those. And so that's something that we use our data for quite a bit and we're really excited about.
0: You know, speaking about that, I saw there's, I didn't go into the research and maybe you can talk about it more. It was a blog post that you had recently in January about racial, ethnic, and uh, socioeconomic disparities with um, mm-hmm. with uh, spaces. Um, yeah, you discuss that?
1: Yeah, so we just published that with Harvard and Clemson and a few other universities a couple of weeks ago. So essentially, we examined, as I mentioned, um, nature-deficient communities and tried to figure out if, if the neighborhoods that are nature-deficient are also disadvantaged in many other ways, income levels, education, etc. And that is indeed the case. Um, richer, more advantaged communities tend to have more green. So we, that's something we want to correct because we now know that the presence of green is is really beneficial to your health and these disadvantaged communities don't have it. And so it's I don't think this is a, something new. I think you literally walk around a city you can see the more affluent neighborhoods have more trees but that's something trees are really a public resource that should be managed by your city park department or you know provided through a governmental system, city trees and city parks and it's not equitably distributed. So now that we can quantify that very precisely and show, look, these are the neighborhoods where you need to direct your green infrastructure, um, we should do that. And so we're just raising awareness around that. And as a, you know, as you can see in that paper, creating hard data around nature deficient neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's something that's needed because a lot of times you hear about food deserts, like certain neighborhoods are going to have food deserts, and they don't have access to healthy food and everything. But that's just, you know, as we talked about, that's just one pillar of of health. And so nobody's really discussing the nature aspect of it. So I think maybe people maybe know it. But like you said, they don't have the aware the awareness around it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's not only that, you know, I think there's an education that needs to occur. Um, down to the individual level about you know, managing your time and making sure you're not spending all your time inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we work with some therapists too using our app, and we find like the number one indicator that someone's depressed, or essentially in a downward spiral mentally, is they never go outside. And so I think just, you know, nudging people with a little corrective measure, like, hey, you haven't been outdoors in a couple of days, why don't you go for a walk, could really be a boon to public health and as you mentioned it's it should generally be accessible and free for everybody um and it really could could change um uh, mental health in particular um, almost overnight
0: yeah that makes sense and that's uh, that's one that i don't even think about as much is that just the the mental health component of it even more so than just the physical the mental health emotional health of just being outside getting some sun uh, i know some places don't are a little sun deprived compared to others yeah you know <laughs> so um but most places are going to get the sun at some point but even then if you're outside and it's cloudy it's still the sun's coming through a little bit just not as strong so yeah, yeah. You can so you can still get some of the benefits you know that your papers are, are showing that you're studying in, in trials right
1: now yeah oh people are just happier when they're outside i mean that that is clear and they're happier when it's sunny i mean just going out and getting natural daylight in your eyes changes your mood instantaneously um, so it's as simple as that. I mean, I don't think that's a, even a profound statement. I think we've known that forever, <laughs> but people aren't utilizing that as a health tool because mm-hmm. they're just not thinking about it.
0: So you when you went to uh, start to build this, what was some of the more challenging aspects?
1: Um, well, on the, on the mobile app, the hardest thing really is detecting whether someone's indoors or outdoors. As far as I know, we are the only technology that exists right now that can efficiently measure whether you're inside or outside. That's very, very difficult to know whether you're sitting on the inside of the window or the outside, right? So that kind of precision took a lot of work and it's still not perfect, but we're pretty good at now detecting whether you're indoors or outdoors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that that was a pr- a big leap from an engineering perspective. Um, and then on the, on the mapping side, um, aggregating geotagged health outcomes is very difficult. I mean, it's sensitive private health data. And when you add in location, you kind of know where that individual lives. So HIPAA compliance and a lot of those kind of um, thresholds that we had to manage was was difficult that we didn't anticipate.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be one of my next few questions. Psyche yeah. like you read my mind is also yeah. because um, when you're using this, it adds, it needs your location, obviously, so it can keep up with it. And so a lot of times, some places are not as good as other places with with, with data. Mm-hmm. And, and, and keeping up with this thing so is there a so, so there's a HIPAA compliant right that you that you do but is it like stored or anything like that? Yeah so
1: for the, a normal user like you um, mm-hmm. all that we care about is three stats per day your time inside your time outside and your nature dose mm-hmm. and nature dose recall is time outside exposed to nature your actual location data we don't need so that we don't even need to keep. The okay. only time we keep it is if you're in a clinical trial and you sign you know, kind of a, an approval waiver so that we can look at, oh, these people were on a river and they all were super psyched, <laughs> you know, whatever sub elements. These people visited five parks a week and they all did great on their tests. So the actual location data is not as relevant just for the normal user for us. We don't even need that. We only look at inside, outside nature dose time.
0: Okay. So I'm looking at that right now and I see what you mean now about it has my location and then like one kilometer is nature around. Is that?
1: Well, so that's the nature score for nature dose when you're moving. So you leave your house and you go for your run. Mm -hmm. We actually look at a much smaller radius of examination. So we do know where you are and we look at basically around 50 meters of your location to see, are you in a park, not in a park? Can you see trees or water or not?
0: What's been some of the, um, some of the, uh, the feedback what's been some of the surprising feedback that you're getting at your user? Well, group with this?
1: one thing that really shocked us is how little people are getting outside and even among our user group, which I would say are probably the more, um, outdoor minded folks to begin with, mm-hmm. we're averaging about 130 m- minutes a week of nature dose. So, you know, 5% less of their lives are outside, which is surprising. Um, you know, when you think about, um, you know how little nature is being utilized as a health tool, um so that was definitely a, a bit of a shock.
0: I tell you what was for last week. I'm looking at last week's set, and I'm like, I, 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 I fancy myself as an active guy, and everything. But I looked at my indoor and outdoor ratio, and I, I don't, I don't know how I should feel about this. That I'm indoor ninety percent of the time and outdoor ten percent of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean you're actually better than average, but you still. Oh, really? Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, averages I think 95 or 96% uh indoors. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Which again, um we accept as normal, right? Mm-hmm. Normal to be just in the built environment inside all the time. It's not from an evolutionary perspective what we're built to be, like, you know, or where what kind of environment we're built to, you know, basically react to. And so there may be environmental harms just by being inside you know, that we're not aware of. I mean, occasionally we figure out, oh, asbestos is bad for you. Lead paint is bad for you. There may be all other kinds of elements of the built environment that just happen to be detrimental. So getting outside is simply a a reprieve from that. Um, And that's, it's going to be hard to figure all that out. But I mean, that's one thing we're endeavoring to do.
0: Yeah, I just, um, I don't know, I, I guess, if anything, it's just like, wow, how kind of convenient the world has become that you really don't have to, like you can really be inside 100% of the time if you wanted to, because you can have everything delivered to you. You would never have to leave the house if you didn't want to now. <laughs>
1: right. That's true.
0: You know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. Little things like that just kind of shocked me because I don't think about it that much, but I'm like, you know, really, I don't have to leave this house ever if I didn't, you know, if I didn't want to. So I don't know. Very weird. But um, one other thing we got to talk about um, adventure racing that you did. So a thousand miles? Is, is that-
1: <laughs> well, some of the expedition races were close to a thousand miles. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. These are different sports that you're doing within this, right? Yeah. So, so adventure is. I mean, I can quickly explain what it is. It's kind of, um, it's a wilderness triathlon in a sense, in that you are um, navigating between checkpoints throughout a wilderness area, however you want to travel and you have to, reach those checkpoints in order and it's a race format and um you know so sometimes you're hiking sometimes you're on a bike sometimes you're on water but these races can also be exceptionally long you know as you mentioned up to a thousand miles and they take you know 10 days or so to finish so it's kind of like a backpacking trip or like an expedition in a race format um and that that's the kind of adventuration that i used to like basically focus on more than anything else so as you can tell, I love being in nature, and that was one great way to see a lot of nature very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would no. say so. So, I, I you know, I, I'm sure you get some kind of benefits out of, like, adventure racing and endurance work that has translated over to kind of the work you're doing now, even just your professional career. So what are some of the lessons that have uh, helped you in that regard?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the first is that, you know, we as humans are capable of far more than I think we give ourselves credit for. If you're willing to, you know, be uncomfortable for a while, I think you can, you can do quite a bit. And, you know, building Nitroquan is a grind. It's a lot of work, um, and, it, and it's often slow and frustrating. So I think just using that, like, sense of resilience and determination that you kind of get, you know, through some of these hard wilderness experiences definitely translates. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is adventure racing is a team sport. So you don't, you're not out there by yourself for 10 days. You're, you're usually in a group of four. Oh, and and everyone is desperately tired and hungry and sunburned and you name it and you still have to cooperate um and kind of work as a team to achieve whatever you're trying to do and so i think that the lessons of teamwork and you know kind of working together also translate really well into everyday life
0: okay you know i i was watching a video on youtube uh it was a hundred mile race and in a nutshell it looked like a team environment as well where because they had people at the different checkpoints to kind of have food and everything for them Mm -hmm. so um it's interesting i have a little bit of ways before i I get to that level i think i hope i hope i don't get i hope i don't catch that bug i think i am
1: well let me step back from that and i i think there's value in being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in many ways and um you know exercise obviously is uncomfortable Stresses of various kinds can be healthy, like exercise, like being in a hot environment or a cold environment. I think, we as humans, are incredibly adaptive, and we respond to those stresses and come back stronger. Um, and so, you know, and it, you know, obviously, being in nature is is a stress in a way. Um, it's not as comfortable as sitting on a couch. Um, and so, we we take that stress and we come back and we get benefit from it.
0: Yeah, and I think this is once again one of the reasons why I love data is that it's it. it it shows you how you're living, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have any biases or anything, you know. <laughs> so, I, I think for a lot of people, you know, it's eye opening to see just how much you spend time inside and yeah. how little time you, you spend outside. It, it's a it's a shock, and so, um, and so one of the things now is, um, as we look into the future, what are um, in, maybe you don't even know this yet. What are some things that you're looking forward to maybe thinking about adding with the app or, or further uh, enhancing?
1: Yeah, so as we discussed a little bit, I really am excited about pairing our data with all the other kind of biomarkers that people are tracking, mm-hmm. sleep quality, resting heart rate. Um, and to the extent that you can get a sense of mood, um, that'd be great. Because once you lay the data side by side as we do in our in our research, you just see how tightly associated they are, how much impact time outside has on all, all other aspects of your health. And so I think aggregating that, like, you know, one thing we joke about is we'd love to be the fourth ring on the Apple Watch, right? Mm-hmm. So people think about, you know, standing steps. They should also think about getting outside occasionally because we we think it's just as important. And once all that data is lined up side by side and your aura ring or your your Google Fit says, Hey, you haven't been outside why don't you go for a walk or, you know, go get some sunlight. We know you'll be able to focus afterwards. And it just becomes a, you know, kind of an everyday household concept of the nature dose being a normal behavioral metric. That's important to track, to optimize your health. Um, that's where it's, I'm, I'm hoping this can go.
0: Yeah. And um, out of a personal curiosity, how do, how hard is it to get like in a clinical trial started?
1: Well, for us, we don't do a lot of the work. We provide the technology and we, okay. and then we have universities around the work. So we're actually partly owned by the University of Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. We're a spin out of theirs. And so they're doing a bunch of clinical trials. Um, Harvard, Clemson, Texas, Indiana, a bunch of different universities are excited about what our technology can do because it's entirely novel. Up until now, it was almost impossible to just even know how often people are inside or outside, mm-hmm. let alone like what natural environments are they in. So um, it's a lot of work for them right? (laughs) But we we simply provide the technology. And and that that also allows for independence, right? Because we obviously, we're vested in this, we want it to be successful. Mm -hmm. But allowing them to independently analyze the benefits of a daily nature dose just validates the efficacy of the intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a ton of work. I mean, they take a long time to design a long time to run. And then even when you're publishing the peer review process takes forever. So it's it's a slow grind. But um, yeah, you know, we, we really strive to be science first. I think this idea of nature as this kind of like woo woo health metric, yeah, has uh, been around, but it hasn't really been solidified in a scientific manner, and that's what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of where it existed up and up until this. I like yeah. I said, I had no idea all this research was uh, established around nature, and even more being um, studied. So that was eye opening to me. And did you, like you said, you even have it on your website here that you you have a bunch of collaborators and everything. So I think that's good because, um, it's only going to help magnify your message.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we're a, we're a happy little tech company, but we're not, (laughs) we're not like a PR firm, right? Yeah. That's (laughs) rolling this out in front of millions of people.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I hope, um, listeners, Listeners and people that come watch this video, even months down the line, can can check this out. Um, it's a free app, and um, it, it keeps up with it. And like I said, if you have the Strava app, then it's going to, to connect with that. And because um, I saw some of the interfaces with that, and that looks pretty cool. That the guy had his ride, and then it's had his nature score and all that as well. Yeah. So, and that helps, I think, for a lot of people. Anything that kind of kind of gamify things a little bit. Is going to help you be more consistent
1: yeah well beyond that i mean some other visions you talked about that we have for the future is we're trying to demonstrate that simply by getting people to go outside you reduce healthcare expenditures because mm-hmm. ultimately if you think about healthcare in the u.s you know it's just like this economic driven model right it's not a lot of preventative medicine tell people to you know exercise or change their diet it's like sell sell drugs sell cell services. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're trying to, to demonstrate to insurance companies is look, if you motivate your members to just get a daily nature dose, they're going to cost you less because they're going to be healthier, they're going to have less doctor visits, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see this eventually proving out economically just being a cost saving mechanisms for the healthcare infrastructure, uh, just getting people outside, because right. Right? it's basically free. <laughs> so that's one of the beauties of it.
0: That's a, that's a great future. So yeah. as you're as you're getting your your um your recommendations, your your prescription to, to help mm-hmm. with your health, and the person has on there twenty to thirty minutes outside.
1: Yeah, and your insurance premiums yeah. go down <laughs> if you get your weekly nature dose. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that simple.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And so as we get ready to wrap up here, uh, where, where is some other area, where can listeners keep up with you and and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn, Jared Hanley. Um, I, I always love talking to people about this or different applications of our technology. So, so please reach out. Um, you know, I'd love people to try out the app and give us feedback. You know, we're, we're really developing it now. I mean, the core technology is there, but we're trying to mm-hmm. make it more engaging, more fun. So it's called Nature Dose. It's in the, the iOS and the Android app stores. And then, you know, naturequant.com is our website. Um, there's a lot of references to the research and kind of an overview of our technology there as well.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful app. And um, I, this is a pretty cool study that just came up when I opened this. It's about blood pressure management. So just by sitting or relaxing in a forest, participants experience a drop in blood pressure of over 10 points.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's We're in a clinical trial with the cardiovascular disease patients right now. Wow. So just telling them to go sit in a park because we think it's going to improve their heart health.
0: hmm that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big deal. Um, this stuff's real. I mean, it's.
1: Yeah. I, it <laughs> seems again, it has this weird history of just being like this, you know, like ethereal thing. But there are really profound health impacts we see mm-hmm. when people get outside, and it's important that we all think about that and use it.
0: You know, sometimes it's it, it, it's it's um. Sometimes we expect complexity. We we expect things need to be complex in order to be effective. And sometimes the simplest things in life are most often probably yeah. the most effective. And yeah, everything yeah, so for sure. um yeah that was that was very interesting um i, I need to show that to some of my family members yeah. you know so hopefully then uh, hopefully they'll believe me or something <laughs> so but thank you so much man this has been a a very enjoyable conversation i i, I love the work that you guys are doing and I, I i can't wait to see what what comes later because i i do think um uh this is a, a pillar that needs to be added on there when we when we talk about what, health and everything so um you know Thank you, for, thank you for joining me. And yeah. any, any lasting remarks or anything I forgot to ask uh, that you think needs to be covered, please let me know right now.
1: No, I think we covered it. So thank you for having me out, Julian. It's great. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And for the listeners out there, I would have all this in the show notes, uh, whether you pay attention and get it a week from now, or you're just discovering this maybe months down the road, go check this out, get healthier, and get outside. And so until next time, stay awesome, be limitless, and go be the CEO of your health and your life. Peace.